Hello. Good morning. Well, I'd like to remind Pastor Nick that Pastor Dave is probably watching the live stream right now. So you're not, we're probably not going to get away with much today. But uh, hi, Pastor Dave, if you're there. But uh, great to see you all. Great to, great to be with you together. My parents are in town up there. Hi, Mom and Dad. Can you give them a hand? Today we're, we're carrying on our series on the Sermon on the Mount called The Way of the Kingdom. And the next passage, I'm, I'm so thankful Pastor Dave took last week. If you were here, you know why. And uh, this week we're talking about oaths and, and swearing to do things and following through on them. And so we're talking about truthfulness and honesty. And uh, I think kids are the funniest when it comes to this because they're at the same time, the worst at lying about stuff and just being so obviously like telling a lie. And it's kind of funny in, you know, at a certain age. <laughs> um, but it's also funny when they're so honest, like painfully honest, and they say things out loud that nobody should probably say out loud about something. Um, like my sister-in-law's um, young child at one point, noticing a man who had quite a, a large midsection, and saying, Mom, why is that guy have such a big belly? Mom, why? Mom, Mom, why is his belly so big? Is he Santa Claus? You know, and, and that's, that's not very fun if you've been there. It's very embarrassing as a pa parent. And, um, but painfully honest. Kids are kind of the most honest and the worst at telling the truth at times. Um, and, you know, we're living in a world where the truth is, is kind of a... Sometimes it feels like a, a, a hard thing to get to in, in, in certain areas. Um, we've all had it happen. Somebody shares a social media post with you that Celine Dion is dead. And you're like, what? It happened. She, what? Celine? And then it's like, no, she didn't die. That's not true. You Google, did Celine Dion die? No, it didn't happen. Okay. That's, that's all you have to do if you get a post like that, folks. Google, did this happen? No, that's a scam. Okay. So you don't have to send it to all your friends and family. Um, but we've all had that happen. Poor Aunt Gertrude fell for it, shared it with everybody, and everybody thinks. Like, I'm an Edmonton Oilers fan, so we're a few months into my being here, so I'm going to come clean with you now. Now that some of you know me and trust me uh, maybe a little bit, that I, I love the Edmonton Oilers. Just waiting for the round of applause. Pastor Nick got applause for the AGM. How do I not get applause for... Okay, so, you know, um, and this morning... Uh, somebody said they fired the coach, and I said, no. They won last night, and nope, sure enough, Jay Woodcroft is fired. There you go. But um, you don't know. Like, I was like, is this real or is this fake? You know, um, you, know there's a, there's all, you get all these, this social media information, and you're like, is this for real? Like, there's a video of somebody saying something, and you're like, did that happen? Like, or is this like photoshopped or voiceovered or dubbed? Uh, at least you should be asking those questions. Um, or like, you know, you, you just, you get that text message like that says, oh, hi, Pastor Chad, I need you to do me a quick favor and buy me these gift cards because I'm in a pinch. And, and I've had been at churches in the past where people have spent like $1,000 to some person texting them, asking them to spend this money because somebody needs a favor. And, you know, obviously it was a scam. And maybe, maybe you've been there, don't put your hand up, it's embarrassing, but you know, there's just, that happens in our day where you're like, what's, what's really real? What's going on? What's true? And um, it can be really confusing. Uh, the, the dishonesty and the deception. Um, 
and, it, and it's kind of unnerving at times to see it in the public sphere. You know, there was a megachurch pastor in the States who, who bought a whole bunch of his own books so that his, his book could go on to the New York Times bestseller list. You know, that kind of thing, it, it happens. And you're just like, it's not very honest, is it? Um, and I'd, I'd like to propose today there's a crisis of truth in our world today. Sometimes we don't know what's true, what's actually happening in the world. You know, we see newscasts from all over, and, and it's, oh, well, this happened. And then you see a whole bunch of other, you know, posts saying, well, that's actually not true. This is what's true. And you're like, oh, what? what? And, um, and, and so there's a, it's a real big task for us today as just members of our society and as Christians to, to learn how to navigate that. But that's not the point of our sermon today. The point of our sermon today is that uh, there is a crisis of truth going on in the world. And as people who follow the way of God's kingdom in a world of half-truths, in a world of spin, in a world of deception, we are to be committed to having a heart of truthfulness, to, to be committed to radical truthfulness in our dealings, in our relationships, in our conversations, in the way we live our life. Because we are to be a set-apart people. We are to be a light. As Jesus was the light of the world, he said, you are a light to the world. And our truthfulness our commitment to um, the truth in a simple way is a really big marker of the way of God's kingdom. And then we're going to look at Jesus' teaching on that today. And so our, our next chap- part, portion of the Sermon on the Mount is Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 to 37. Um, so Jesus says, again, you have heard it said. So we've been through, I think, three or four statements where Jesus says, referring to the Old Testament law, you have heard it said. And now I'm telling you. So he says, again, you have heard it said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply... Let your yes be yes, and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So Lord, we pray that you would lead us into truth through your, through your word today. We open our hearts to your voice. Holy Spirit, we trust you. Speak to us today, we pray. So Jesus is referring to an Old, Old Testament, a summary of the Old Testament law, where making oaths was not only... Uh, assumed, but it was commanded in the Old Testament law. Now, when I make an oath to my wife that I'm going to get to that project, I swear, hon, it bothers me just as much as it's bothering you. I, it's on my mind. I'm thinking about it all the time. I swear it's this weekend, maybe next weekend. I, and I wish when I make that oath, she would believe me. And, and she would just know that I'm going to get to it and wouldn't have to remind me about it every six, eight months. Just believe me that I'm, I'm going to do that. Now, obviously, there's a problem here. I can't, you know, if I can't see what's going on there with her not believing me, then I've got a problem. And that's kind of what we're talking about here today is being true to ourselves, not manipulating, or sorry, being true to our words, not manipulating information to make it seem a certain way for our benefit, not 
promising one thing with maybe duplicitous mindset about it, but simply letting our yes be yes and our no be no. Simply living our words, living our, the truth of our way matching what we've said. And so Jesus is referring to these Old Testament laws. Deuteronomy chapter 10 says, you shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him and hold fast to him, and by his name you shall swear. Direct command to swear on the name of Yahweh in making an oath. Numbers 30, chapter two, or 30 verse 2, when a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word but must do everything he said. Leviticus 19.12, do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of the Lord. So in Jewish practice, under the Mosaic law, vows and oaths made in God's name were both assumed and encouraged, but they were serious business. They were expected to be kept. And it was because one was taking this oath in the name of God that it was assumed it would be, that it was meant to keep people honest. And like last week's topic, we talked about divorce. I think this is an accommodation for sinful and hard hearts because you don't really need to make an oath. You don't need to swear on a stack of Bibles if it's expected that you're going to tell the truth. You know, we don't, it's unnecessary if we all just told the truth. And so God accommodates us and says, okay, you have a problem. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you out here. This maybe will help you tell the truth a bit more. Swear on God's name, and that will probably keep you in line a bit more. But what we're discovering in this sermon on the way of the kingdom is that Jesus is saying that's not enough to live in the full intention of God's law. The, the full intention of God's law goes beyond just some boundary markers to keep you from doing the wrong thing. It's about having a new heart, a new motivation, a new way of being that fulfills the intention of these Old Testament laws. And, and so clearly, <laughs> lying or manipulating the truth to protect yourself and your interests is just as common in those days as it is in our day. You know, twisting things, spinning them, making things seem not quite as they are. Maybe there's some truth in there, but I'm not going to tell it because I need this to happen. So, you know, you know. So this is a universal problem. This is a universal problem. Ever since the Garden of Eden, Satan deceived Adam and Eve. Did God really say if you ate of the fruit, you would not die? You surely won't die. Don't worry about it. He's just afraid you'll become like God. He deceived Adam and Eve. Then Adam, when asked by God, what happened? Adam, why is there apple juice on your lips? And Adam says, well, now he tells the truth, but he spins it. Well, my wife that you put here with me gave me the fruit. Now, those, those are true. You know, God did give Eve to Adam, and she did give him the fruit. But you see what he did there? He spun it to kind of avoid, avoid responsibility, to blame someone else. And this is manipulative, right? This is deceptive. This is not a heart of truthfulness. This is, um, well, yeah, that happened, but it, I, can, I can make it sound like it happened a different way than it really did if I say it a certain way. And so we, we all have this problem. Now, I doubt many of us here today just blatantly make up huge fabrications of the truth and just exaggerate beyond all you know, recognition of reality. That's probably not 
something that you're struggling with. Um, and if you are, then you should work on that by the power of God's spirit within you. But what we'll probably all struggle with a bit more is that, is, yeah, this happened, but if I communicate it in a certain way or leave out certain parts, or if I can make you believe something happened that wasn't really the case by the way I tell you the facts, that will benefit me in my interests. That will help me avoid some discomfort. That will make me somehow better off. And I think, if we're all really honest, and it can squirm in your seat a bit, that you could probably relate to that. You know, why, why do we lie? Sometimes we do it out of good intention. We lie to help someone out. Um, and this is like well-intentioned, maybe. It's like the parent who's like, well, they didn't really do their homework, but I, wanna, I don't want my child to get in trouble at school, so I'm going to sign the sheet saying they did it. I'm going to help them out, which is a hor- that's not great parenting, <laughs> um, teaching your children to be dishonest. But it's, we're trying to help someone else, or we're trying to protect someone else. You know, I, I got in a fender bender one time, and the, the fault was the other driver, and the, the driver was a new, a new driver, and so they had their N or something. And so being in a collision was going to set them back. And so the, the dad was the passenger, and he swapped seats to try to make it seem like he was the one driving, and so his son wouldn't get in as much trouble. And so he's trying to protect his son. But again, dishonest. Sometimes we lie because we're looking for acceptance. We want people to think more of us than um, maybe is true because we don't feel like we have enough to give or we, we're not, we don't feel like we're secure in ourselves. And so we try to make things seem like we're making more money or we're more successful or things are going better with us than they actually are. And so we exaggerate or, or, or embellish. Sometimes we do it to protect ourselves, to avoid a conflict, you know, you don't want to have that conversation with somebody and you say, no, it didn't bother me, I'm fine. You know, that's, that's not true. But we do it because we don't want to face the conflict. We don't want to have the conversation. Um, but sometimes it's straight up selfish gain and enrichment where we'll like lie about our income or we'll, you know, we'll make, we'll manipulate the system somehow so that we are enriched. So there's a lot of different ways that our hearts are prone to deceive, to manipulate, to be tempted to make things seem other than they are. So this creates a dynamic that we need to appeal to a higher standard to give weight to our words, right? So we swear on something. We, I, I swear, honest to God, you know, swear on a stack of Bibles, you know, you know for the, the 20-year-olds in the room, no cap. Yeah. That's the lingo, right? You guys are all cringing right now. So if you didn't know, if you say no cap, that means like for real, like, yeah, I'm not lying. It's no big deal, right? I'm old. So I'm looking over here at everyone who's like 20. You're like, just don't say that. Just stop. But, um, but in our world, certain kinds of lying are often seen as even wise or smart. You hear that, you know? Well, Obviously, you shouldn't declare all of your income. That's just dumb, right? There's a wisdom of the world that says, if you're prudent and smart, you can, um, you can avoid certain things that you don't need to deal with. But that's, that's not God's wisdom, is it? That's not God's wisdom. The wisdom that comes from heaven that James, James te- teaches us is, is, first of all, pure. The wisdom that comes from heaven is pure. And so when we hear people talking about wisdom that 
you know, helps me get my own way or that I can work things out and no one really gets hurt. That wisdom doesn't come from God. That doesn't come from God because the wisdom that comes from heaven is pure. It loves the truth. It isn't self-promoting. <clears throat> and so we know how to differentiate between that kind of wisdom and the wisdom that comes from heaven. So what was going on in the context that Jesus was, was teaching? So these Old Testament laws around swearing oaths, they began to become problematic because loopholes. Don't we love a good loophole? Don't you love a good loophole? Don't really have to do it because my fingers were crossed behind my back, right? But so they had an entire rabbinic um, writing about what kinds of oaths were actually binding and which ones weren't. So you could, you could swear by something near to something holy, but it wasn't the actual holy thing. And then you could claim after, well, it wasn't really binding because I didn't swear directly on God's name. I, I swore on something near to that. So uh, there's an entire, the, the Mishnah was a rabbinic writing. There's an entire Mishnahic tract given over to the subject of swearing. Swearing by Jerusalem was not binding, but swearing toward Jerusalem was. I don't know, right? Swearing by heaven and earth was not binding. So this led to uh, a cultural epidemic of frivolous swearing, where you couldn't trust someone's word because there was all these different ways you could swear and make an oath that were maybe binding and maybe not binding. And no one was maybe able to hold you accountable to it because you swore by the non-binding version. I don't know. I didn't live there. This is what I read in a commentary, okay? So it seems confusing to us. You're like, well, how did that work? But it was a common practice to convince another that you were telling the truth while lying by bringing some person or eminent object into reference. The deception was very subtle. So again, no, really, I swear, I swear, I swear. Honest, honest, right? Right? Swear in a stack of Bibles, like for real, I'm telling you, God's honest truth. On God, on God. No cap, no cap. I'm so old. Okay, so, but we do it, right? We have to, we appeal to some other higher thing to really, no, really, I'm telling you the truth. So I'm totally going to pay you back. I totally am going to pay you back this time. You know, you've ever had that person, that friend? None of us would ever do that. But we, we know when someone is really trying to work hard to get you to believe them, they probably shouldn't believe them, right? The, the longer the story is, the least credible it is, right? Like, you're like, okay. So Jesus is saying, stop saying so much. Stop talking so much about how were you telling the truth. Just tell the truth and just do it. Like, let's not get, let's not overcomplicate things, folks. But the, the problem isn't that we're just overcomplicating things. The problem is that we have a heart that doesn't really want <clears throat> to tell the truth sometimes. That's the problem. And I want to point back to that passage in the garden, right? Where Adam and Eve were lied to, and then they began to lie. And what did they do after that? They hid, right? They hid. When we lie, 
when we manipulate the truth, when we deceive, we're hiding from reality. We're hiding from our own faults, right? If we can't own up to something we've done wrong, we hide by spinning it to make it sound like something else. When we've made a bad choice or when, when the reality is that we owe this much money, but I'm going to hide from that reality and spin something a certain way. We're still hiding in the garden. Deception is a heart issue. And God is looking for us. He's saying, where are you? I know where you are, but where are you? And we hide. So because of this misuse of the biblical command, Jesus taught that it was better not to engage with making oaths at all. You know, last Sunday, we're talking about lust and divorce and adultery, all those. God bless Dave for taking that sermon. He did a great job, though, didn't he? Yeah, I thought it was a fabulous job. But um, I was just praising Dave and forgot what I was going to say. Oh yeah, so he taught it was better not to engage with making oaths at all. Much like Jesus was saying, if your eye's causing you to sin, just talk it out, right? Hyperbole, there's hyperbole in the Bible. Jesus exaggerates to make a point at times. But he's employing maybe a certain thing. He's like, just stop swearing at all. Just tell the truth. Just tell the truth. Because you know what? God, isn't, God can't be mocked. God, God knows anyway. God knows anyway. He says, do not swear at all either by heaven, for it is God's throne, right? People would swear by heaven. He's like, well, actually, heaven is God's throne, so off limits. Or by the earth. Well, I swear by the earth, that's not binding. No, that's the footstool. It's God's footstool. You can't swear by the earth. Or by Jerusalem, for it is a city of the great king. It's the city of God. Do not swear by your head, for you can't even make one hair white or black. It all belongs to God, so don't swear by anything. It's all God's. So don't try to appeal to something and make it sound like you're telling the truth when you're really not. God isn't mocked. He owns it all. It's all his. All the truth in the world is God's truth. If you want to live in the truth, you have to live in God. Anything else comes from the evil one. So in this week's section of the text, Jesus takes a different direction. Rather than teaching that we should not only embrace the law that was given, you know, uh, do not murder, do not commit adultery. He's saying, rather than saying we should do that and go beyond, he's saying just, just stop doing the thing. Just leave it. So it's a bit of a different approach to this, this topic. Just don't do that at all. Why? Because our loopholes don't work on God. <laughs> our, our loopholes don't work on God. So here's, a, here's an int- a funny story to break things up a bit. So this guy, Adam Ware, wrote an article online, six hilarious loopholes normal people use to beat the system, okay? And I'm not going to do an English accent this week, although uh, there is some English references in here. You can watch the sermon from two weeks ago. To, you know, Because the daily, daily toilet dunkings and terrible food don't make life hellish enough for school kids, countries like England also enforce a strict uniform code for all educational institutions not only the rich and or magic-based ones. There's a Harry Potter reference. That's why British children always dress like tiny accountants. (laughs) But what happens when the uniform code goes up against a group of students eager to escape a stifling heat wave? 
Well, among those suffering were the school kids of the Stuffy Iska Academy in Devon, England, which slapped down all requests from male students to temporarily switch from their suffocating full-length trousers to shorts. Okay? Heat wave at this private traditional school. The kids are just dying because they know you must wear your uniform like a good accountant student. In response to the protests, one student, or sorry, one teacher dared the boys to dress up in the only alternative allowed on the uniform, a skirt. That teacher went on to learn a valuable lesson about hubris. The next day, a handful of boys arrived for lessons wearing skirts, borrowed from their sisters or girlfriends. The gender barrier smashed. Around 30 boys were attending lessons in skirts and praising the nice breeze they were getting. <laughs> so again, there's a loophole for you. Fine, we'll wear the dress code and we're in a skirt. So if oath-taking has become a way to be deceitful, if swearing has become a way to be deceitful, just throw it out. Because it was meant to help you tell the truth. So just let's just drop that. The Jewish historian Josephus, he wrote about the community, this, this sect of Judaism, a community at Qumran, this group of people called the Essenes. They had a strong conviction against taking oaths, and they said that it was worse than perjury, for they said that the one who is not believed without an appeal to God stands condemned already. <laughs> so the loopholes don't work on God. They just create a culture of dishonesty and mistrust. God isn't mocked, and we reap what we sow. God sees the truth anyway, so let's stop with that. But also, it's going to affect and influence your relationships. It's going to affect your life. The seeds we plant of manipulative conversation, of twisting, of spinning, those seeds will grow into something that we don't want. It will affect the way people trust us. They will break down our relationships. They will uh, erode our soul. Those seeds will grow. If we sow lies, we will reap distrust in others. We'll reap a bad name, broken relationships, disfavor with God. We will not be living in the way of the kingdom. But what we need is wholeness. We need integration, truthfulness. And so what we need is the integrated holiness of truth. The integrated holiness of the truth. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So the Bible tells us the devil is a liar. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue. He's the father of all lies, John 8, 33. So what comes from the devil? Spin, half-truth, deceptive misinformation. God says, just be honest. Everything else comes from the devil. Speak plainly and truthfully. Maybe say less words and do more what you said you would do. Proverbs 10, 19 says, when words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. If you find yourself talking a little too much, the higher percentage chance that you're going to say something that's not true. <laughs> right? So maybe we should say less. So the sin affects our relationships. It divides us. Lying divides us. It divides us from ourselves. Right? When we're trying to remember what we said, to this person compared to what we said to this person. We're divided. Divides us from our relationships to others. 
and it divides us in our relationship with God. But truth-telling unites us. It's, it integrates us. When we just honestly hold to what's real, when we honestly hold to what's true, we're united within ourselves. It feels good when you don't have to remember what you told people. You just live in the truth and forget. <laughs> you just keep going. Live your life. It's free. It's peaceful. It unites us to ourselves and, and our relationships with others and with God. It's the good life. And so what we need is a heart of truthfulness. We, we need to love the truth even when it hurts. And, and the Holy Spirit changes our heart. So the risk of this sermon series is that we just tell you to do a whole bunch of different things. Stop lusting. Stop being angry at people. Stop lying. Go, go do it, right? Go on. Be better, you know? And you like leave like, oh, okay. Try harder next time, pastor. But that's not the gospel, is it? You know, we know that the gospel is that the promise for the church is that the Holy Spirit gives us a new heart. That's the promise. When the Holy Spirit indwells us, the promise given to the prophets is that our hearts of stone would be removed and we'd be given a heart of flesh. And as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives, as we say yes to what's true and say, yes, I'm a sinner, God, I need your mercy, I need your grace. Yes, I've I confess, I broke this command. Yes, I need your mercy. I received your love. Our hearts are softened. And we get an appetite for truth. We get an appetite for that, that peace that comes through just loving the truth. We're having a heart that's devoted to what's true. And so we don't say, just go and do, work harder, go pull yourself up, be more truthful. We say, no, God, I, my heart is broken and I'm prone to deception. But God, would you change my heart? The Psalm says, uh, search me and know me, O God, and see if there's any wicked way within me. Psalm 139, and then lead me in the way everlasting. We pray, God, search my heart, see if I have anything in within me, and then lead me. This is the only way we're transformed. This is the only way that we can become the people that God's calling us to be, to walk in the way of his kingdom. It's not just to work harder and try harder and beat ourselves up or have an accountability partner. This is... The Holy Spirit needs to change your heart and my heart. Psalm 15, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. It says, Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? Those who walk blamelessly and do what is right, speak the truth from their heart. Who do not slander with their tongue and do no evil to their friends, nor take up a reproach against their neighbors, in whose eyes the wicked are despised, but who honor those who fear the Lord, who stand by their oath even to their hurt, even when it hurts, does not change their mind. Who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. We speak the truth from our heart. Stand by our promises, even when it hurts. You know, there will be times where we do, we do swear to tell the truth. <laughs> you might be called to testify in a court, or you might promise someone. And this is not a legalistic thing. That, oh, can, we, can I take an oath? Or can I, is it ever okay to make a promise? It's not what we're talking about. We're talking about our heart. 
and the wisdom that the Holy Spirit gives us and how we speak and how we represent the truth. And, and really, it's about us coming out of hiding. It's about us saying, God, I'm not going to hide from your, your light. I'm not going to live in the dark because the wages of that is death. The wages of that is corrupt, corrupt, corrupt living. And even if it looks good on the outside, oh, that person's looking good. Here they are. They're sitting here in church. I'm not going to point anywhere. They're, they're in church. Jesus says, "That's yeah, you might look really great, but on the inside is dead man's bones. If our heart is prone to deceive one another, God says, you don't have to keep living that way. Even if it's a small area of your life, you need to surrender to Jesus. We've all got those corners. So would you stand? The worship team is going to lead us in a song of commitment to our new identity in Christ. But Lord, we, Lord, we invite you to search our hearts and know us and see if there be any wicked way within us and lead us in a way that's everlasting. For the sake of your name, God, because we represent you in the world. For the sake of your name, Lord, help us to be people of truth. God, for the sake of a world that is in the dark about what, where to find truth and how to live in the truth, God, for the sake of that world, help us to be a light, to live truthfully and honestly in a good and whole and full way so that others might see the way we live and say, that is the good life. So help us to be people of the truth, God. Help us. We need your help. In Jesus' name.